The following podcast you're about to listen to is brought to you by the Push Start Media Network, where everything you do in life begins with Push and Start. You know me, I am your humble host, Bryce Benjamin. And unfortunately, co-host Ed Ruder is out today, not feeling too well. So we're going to go ahead and let him rest. But fortunately, mm-hmm. we have a more, more than capable replacement. My guy, you know what, you know what, you know what? I'm not going to do it justice. I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I already know what type of energy you bring in. Go ahead, sir. It's your boy, Seaham, a.k.a. The Nerd, a.k.a. The World Heavyweight Champion of Live Broadcasting. And you can't spell champion without it. What's up, everybody? What Push is our media network? Stand up. Stand up, baby. We is here. See, what's good, my dude, man? How you been? Man, I've been good. We've been doing a lot of moves here at the network. So shout out to you for being a part. Shout out to yes, Ed. sir. Appreciate the content y'all constantly bring for us. It's yes, amazing. Sir. So uh, I'm just I'm just extremely grateful and happy for all the connections we've been making. And it's been a good time. Yeah, it has. man. It has. And I do appreciate uh, that you shut up, Phoenix. I do appreciate that you covered <laughs> through and, uh, uh, rep- you know, had us on the had us join the network. And first of all, gave us that opportunity. And uh, yeah, it's been dope. It's been real dope. But it's um, a pleasure to have you for sure. Yeah, man. Yes, sir. But you guys, you see what's going on. You see the title of the episode. You know, what we talking about. Just announced his retirement earlier, officially retired. The man, the myth, the legend, the oh, yeah. dead man himself, the undertaker, calling him the career. Man. What a fucking ride, dude. What Bro. 30 I mean, years? Yeah, when you think about it, there's probably not very many legendary careers that extend that long. I can only think of like maybe like Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm being the only other person that still lasts like still actively being involved in re- the wrestling world yeah but like that longevity speaks for itself seriously man and for me it's it's the longevity with it but the fact that he's able to maintain such a peak performance mm-hmm. throughout all of it he like he spanned it three decades mm-hmm of, of performances and giving us entertainment and going out there and just doing what he does. And going along with that, one thing that's really amazing that speaks to his character and ability is, as you said, three decades. In those three different decades, it's all different styles of wrestling, totally different rosters of wrestlers. So that shows he was able to interact and connect with no matter what the talent was at the time. Seriously, man. And I think that's just, it just speaks to a testament to, to not only him mm-hmm. as a wrestler, because, right? you know, his in-the-ring stuff, 
you see what it was, man. Just a big, Amazing. like, like it, was, it, was, it was stupid to see somebody that big, but mm-hmm. that agile and that mm-hmm. and that quick and that fast, and and then have him all be able to perform that in the ring. But then also, it speaks to him as a as a person. Yep. For him to be able to to go from the nineties to the two thousands through two thousand tens, and be able to, like you said, work with just different levels of talent and. Mm-hmm. Always change his character and change his character. Well, right. Yeah. That was one thing that I felt the documentary did a really good job at making mention of is the fact that, you know, his character had to change at a certain point, you know, when he was going from the dead man to the American badass. And it just shows that you can evolve with your product. You don't have to stay stagnant and you can still be just as relevant and impactful. Right. Can can you imagine him trying to portray that dead man character during the Attitude Era? I don't think it would have worked. I feel you on that one, man. I feel you on that one. And and then also a uh, big evil character, like which is like a, a you know culmination of both the dead man and also the American badass. So like mm-hmm. yeah, you just had different personas and they all worked. Like they, they all worked. Like it was must see TV. Um. Okay. So like you said, his in ring acumen is just. <laughs> you're not supposed to be that big and be that skilled. Seriously. Seriously. You know, listen, I was, I was watching uh, yesterday, I was at work and I was watching uh, his, his debut, his uh, debut as Undertaker mm-hmm. um, when he came in in that, uh, the, the Survivor Series, I believe it was, Elimination. Yep. And uh, just like the, you hear it, like you see the, the crowd. The reaction. Like the reaction of everything. The he kids comes eyes, out. they're like. Yeah, like what is this dude? Like who is this guy? And then um, it starts off, and you know nobody can can hurt him. And he, like the, like the funniest shit ever. Like the first like twenty seconds to the match, he just choking out Bret Hart. <laughs> Bro, just just a testament to his ability to sell his character at all times. Like, yes, he knew what he was trying to portray and what what emotion he wanted you to feel. Yes, so he gave you that in the ring. And and then freaking uh, he tombstone the black dude. Uh, Coco, oh, I, I, I'm like, Coco that, that might have been the, the the worst tombstone I think I've ever seen. That looked devastating. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. my god, is he okay? But that Vince McMahon must have been like, when you go out there, I want you to pile drive his head through the canvas, through the <laughs> canvas. <laughs> just do it, make yeah, just, just do it. It's okay. Don't, yeah, don't yeah, just be okay. <laughs> so I, yeah, that was pretty dope, man. Um, now I got a question for you. Yep. What was your first impression? Um, when you when you originally seen Undertaker for the first time, like like so so lay it out the moment for us. Uh, what do you remember about when you first seen him, and then what did you th- what was your first impression about it about him when you first it, seen that character? It was kind of the exact same reaction of what we saw on TV because I was probably around the same age as a lot of those kids when it happened. I think he debuted in what was that ninety one ninety two, mm-hmm. so that would have made me like four five mm-hmm. years old. So when I first saw that, it was just like. It's like seeing a ghost or it's like seeing like the boogeyman yeah. being personified. It's like as a kid, you're like every little thing scares you, especially the unknown. And here they are billing this man from from, you know, from God knows where. And he's just coming out all black, just ominous, mm-hmm. just walking like at that time, all the characters were all bright, colorful, you know, gimmicky. Yeah, he he was totally different from everything that we were used to seeing. So, like, the shock to my eyes, it was just, like, it's, like, one of those things that you're afraid of, but you can't take your eyes off of it. It's, like, oh, my God, this dude's mad and posing, but I want to see what he's going to do. Yeah. And then, like, when he gets in the ring, the thing that amazes me the most is his ability to change speed. Mm -hmm. Like, 
a lot of his matches start out real slow, real like driven out pace where it's like locks and grabs and, you know, strikes in the corner. And then just out of nowhere, he just flips the switch and just runs and then doing flipping lariats and just like, yeah. how, how can you just change your speed and, and, and direction like that? It's just, it's just something I never saw before. And I don't know, I think it kind of changed the mold of what, a big man in wrestling should look like. Yeah, because like before then, before he really debuted, like yeah. the big man that you had, you had Andre. Obviously, the most famous probably at that time was Andre the Giant. Yep. Um, I mean, you had Hulk Hogan. You know, six foot six, six foot eight, three hundred pounds, and like you, they had just traditional big man moves. You know, yep. Clobber here, big boot mm-hmm. there, body Striking, slam here, slams, brawling. That's right. It. But then Undertaker comes in. And then, like you said, you see a dude who's moving as fast as a lot of the little guys, mm-hmm. and then you see a, just this big-ass dude just flying through the air, flying and clotheslines. His technique, too, is, like, I always loved, you know, the way his locks were implemented, like, as he's going to the to, to the corner to walk across the ropes on you. It's just, like, it's mm-hmm. so deliberate. He has mm-hmm. an emotion he wants you to feel, like he's taking his time with you. It reminds me of, like, when you're watching, like, a scary movie, and you know, like, the villain is around somewhere. Yeah. But you think you got away, and as soon as you turn around, they're, like, right there. Like, it just, it always felt like that to me when you watch The Undertaker. Yeah, I feel you on that one. I think, and he kind of, he had to do that on purpose, where mm-hmm. you, that's what you wanted to feel like. You're watching, like, a movie character villain just performing his art, but in the ring, live action. Yeah. And that's exactly what it felt like. Everything was, like, methodical and thought out and, and smooth, but then all of a sudden, like you said, that change of pace would come, and then boom, fine clothesline out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, and he would always spark it off with that flying, flipping lariat. I'm just like, yep. bro, you six eight? Why are you doing that? <laughs> Why are you doing that? Yep, <laughs> just, just amazing. I remember the first time that, that I ever, um, my my most my earliest memory, I should say, of him was uh, WrestleMania 1996. I can't remember the actual WrestleMania that was. The one that Shawn Michaels won the belt for the first time against Bret Hart in the Iron Man yeah. match. Yeah. Okay. Boyhood dream. Yes. So I had that that tape on VHS. I used to watch it like at least once a week when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And this is like my first um, remembrance of Undertaker is when he had wrestled uh, Kevin Nash, uh, Diesel yeah. at the time. And I remember like they showed the videos that was leading up to that match, how... He had like Kevin Nash's uh, body in the casket, and Kevin Nash is looking at himself in the casket and shit. Um, how he pulled him under the ring during like a cage match that he had with Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. and then like just that build up for everything. Yes, yes, this build up, and then they actually had the match itself. And then just seeing, first of all, like Kevin Nash, like the, the back and forth was awesome. First of all, but yeah. then seeing Kevin Nash hit him with two power bombs, hit him with two jackknives, boom, boom, and then you know he still gets up from it, sit up. Right, yeah, that's like my first, like, yo, oh my god, like, what is going on? This dude is, I'm, I'm like, he can't stop this man. <laughs> so, yo, his joint was nuts, man. And then, you know, eventually got him in the tombstone and finished him off. And then, like, everything about it. And then, on top of that, um, I, I thought another nice piece that that everything just fit together was his manager, Paul Bear, where yes. you had just the the, the creepy. So like just a creepy little dude with the urn in his hand. And he got the creepy mm-hmm. voice, and he just selling it like that. It just Ooh, yes. did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just oh my god, bro. Yo, do that again. That was perfect. Ooh, yes, yo. 
Paul Bear, rest in peace, he's probably like, I don't think Undertaker's impact would have been felt as strongly as it was without him. Like, yeah. I, I love that they took so much information for, for that, for the uh, documentary, because it showed how much, like, Paul Bear studied what kind of role he was trying to play for The Undertaker and even yeah. what kind of idea The Undertaker was trying to portray as the character. And it was just like, you could tell that he had that same level of understanding and, like, creative control with yeah. what he wanted the undertaker to be like and paul bear that that image they were trying to portray yeah i think it was like some of the best manager to you know superstar connection probably ever in the history yeah i have to agree it's definitely top for me it's top three like that Absolutely. that whole combination um the paul bear undertaker that 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 tandem right there is legendary and then he even brought it back for a little while when, you know, Undertaker returned to his dead men form in, in the mid-2000s there, or 2010s. Um, so I just thought, like, that, it just worked. Like, it worked then. It worked when they, he re, like, when they re, reintroduced it. And, um, yeah, it just made sense. Everything about it was, it was perfect, man. And then on top of that, once you throw in another character that kind of just fit into everything is when they introduced Kane with him mm -hmm. um, as his half-brother who... You know, he had left in the house fire and thought he was dead. And then he came back and now he's just raining terror on Undertaker now. Like that whole shit was dope. I'll take you even a step like right before that. Uh -huh. I feel like something that gets overlooked in Undertaker's career um, is all of his matches, not just his hell, <coughs> excuse me, his hell in the cell match with Mankind. Yes. Oh, shit. I, I feel like I feel like that. Man that feud between those two <laughs> is what truly propelled Undertaker's character to make you believe that he was this ominous figure that, you know, this unparalleled being that couldn't be trifled with. And also, I think it helped push Mick Foley into a light that he probably would have never seen because of the way their chemistry together was just... It, it, you just can't replicate that again. You can't fake that. When they had, like, the bo boiler room matches and things yeah. like that, and they were just sneaking up on each other, just... You couldn't really tell what was real and what was fake. It was like blurring the lines of kayfabe. Yeah. So I, I really think that's something. Of course, everybody always mentions the Hell in a Cell match between him and Mankind, but right. I feel like that that feud is so much more than just that match because before that match happened, they were fighting for like a whole year. Yeah. Like on Raw, just other pay per views and everything like that for months and months and months, building up this legitimate beef with one another. Yeah. And like, then it, you know, culminated with him throwing him off the damn hell himself. <laughs> yeah. Know how that goes. The, and, and it's, I'm glad you mentioned that. All right. I'm glad you mentioned that because you're absolutely right. That whole feud that they had, um, I do remember like the, the boiler room matches, as you mentioned, and then just random attacks and like it'd be anywhere, like anywhere yep. they get in it pop in the backstage, just boom, yeah. you just, just get their rocket. Yeah. I do remember that. And yeah, you can tell the chemistry that they had. Uh, between take between Taker and then uh, McFoley there, um, and then yeah to the Hell in a Cell itself like that to this day to me that's still the craziest match I've ever seen in my life. That but, solidified both of them as superstars. Yes, 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 exactly. Like I remember watching it live. I'm I'm like, what what year was that? That 90... 98, 90... Yeah, I think it's ninety seven. Somewhere around there, ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah. So I remember 
watching that live. I'm at my I'm at my cousin's house and we, you know, we ordered a pay-per-view and we chilling, we what, watching it. Hold on right there. What is it with what is it with black folk and going to each other's cousin's house? That's what you do. That's we what you do. Yeah. You gotta watch it with your pay-per-view. Man, you already know. I'm coming over. Go pick me up. We good. Mm-hmm. You gotta watch it with your cousins. Yes, sir. So yeah, we we sitting there just watching it. And you know, at this time. I'm still like I don't understand that wrestling is is an is an artistic performance. You know what I'm saying? No. To me, everything is just like it's, it's real. It's all it's real. real life. It's all real. These dudes is actually fighting. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that stuff went unscripted. Like a lot of the stuff that happened in that match did mm-hmm. not go according to plan. So first like, of all, everything that could go wrong fucking went wrong. Went wrong, but then it created a masterpiece. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like it created a masterpiece. Like you got mm-hmm. Mick Foley. Getting first getting, getting tossed off a fucking uh, high ass steel cage. First of all, he wasn't even supposed to fall. He was supposed to grab the edge and hang. Oh shit! But he was thrown with like too much force to the point that like it, it over it overexerted where he was supposed to go. Yeah. Like the initial plan was for him to just hang a little bit and, and give you that dramatic effect and then fall to the table. No, he got ended up getting tossed. Yes, like because even if you watch it back, you can see like his his inner arm, his left arm as he's yeah. going off. It's like he's trying to grab, like. But to kind of, okay, yeah, yeah, he's he's through the table at that point. Yeah, and then uh, and I just remember like, oh my god, like he, he yo, we just see somebody die. Yeah, on television. And Jim Ross didn't make it any better because he was like, that's a human, but he really made me they think that Foley was dead. They, <laughs> they said, by God, he's dead. I'm like, oh my God, Jim Ross, he he just told me that this man's dead. Like, I believe him. Like, <laughs> yeah, Jim Ross. And then you got Jim Ross on the call, selling it perfectly. Man, so, um, I, re- I, couldn't, I couldn't tell if he was acting or like that was his real reaction. Still, Seriously, to this day. Like, to this day. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So you just see, man, then they bring up the stretcher, they bring like mankind out. Undertaker, he's still on top of the sun, and mankind comes back. Mm-hmm. He climbs back onto the. T- I'm like, yo, what the? F- now, what one thing on? for me, one thing for me that I find interesting. I don't know if you've watched this match recently as an adult, but like, there's a lot of shit that you're gonna notice in that match that, being a, a more seasoned wrestling viewer, mm-hmm. you're gonna like notice some things that would have helped you understand like how serious the situation was. Mm-hmm. Like now that I watch it back as an adult, one of the first things that I notice is the person that comes out to his aid. It's not a ref. It's not a trainer. It's not, um, you know, somebody from WWE staff. It's Terry Funk. It's mm. his friend. Okay. That's the first person that runs out there to see what's going on. Yeah. So when I saw that as an adult, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, that's his best friend. Like, yeah. so, like, this is serious. This is getting real. Like, yeah. this is real life. If I would have understood that as a kid, like, I would have knew how real life it was. Right. But, like, again, you know, they were blurring the lines of kayfabe. So you couldn't really tell, like, what was scripted, what was supposed to happen. Like, it wasn't until, like, 10, 15 years later when Mick Foley had the chance to talk about it that we knew what really was the plan. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's one of those those standout moments in my wrestling viewing timeline. Like, how can you not recall that? Yep. And then on top of... And then on top of that, after that happened, they get back on top of the cell, and then he gets choke slammed through the cell to the ring where you think like, yo, this dude he's really is gonna dead. like he's dead. Like he's literally like getting killed in a in a wrestling match. Dude, and and the finite details of what happened when he went through it, it's like 
the steel chair that was on top of it, he hit that mm-hmm. as he was going through, and it bounced back up, hit him in the face, knocked his tooth out, which lodged his tooth to his, his nose. nose. Yeah. Like, dude. And he's still going with it, man. And he's well, still... That's, that's, that's one of those images, like, that I see in my brain all the time that I'm like, yeah, that epitomizes wrestling for me. Like when you see Mick Foley leaning back with his mouth open and that tooth just gone, mm-hmm. and his face just bleeding, like he's like, mm-hmm. what I'm gonna do next? But like, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, what is happening? This is the greatest thing of all time. Oh like, man. Oh I was, I was watching, uh, I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons. He did an interview with, with uh, Undertaker, uh, Mark mm-hmm. Calloway, his actual, you know, the guy. I'm so glad that he's going by his real name and he's yeah. like over the kayfabe thing. Like you could tell he's really done with wrestling at this. Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. He's doing a bunch of interviews and stuff like that. It's kind of weird to see, mm-hmm. you know, because he never, you never really seen Undertaker never. not out of character. Like that's some, another thing to his testament. He never broke character. He never. was always the Undertaker everywhere he went. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to his podcast with uh, Bill Simmons, and he's explaining that match there, and he was mm-hmm. saying how um, when he choked Slammer through the cell, like he was lucky that he didn't go with him because he was just like, he was like inches away from being like on a still supportive beam where he, he didn't go through, but Mick Foley did. Oh so I'm goodness. like, and you think about it, you got two 300 pound men up there yeah. on one little, on one little cage, like flimsy fence at, the, at exactly. that point. Like it wasn't even like state of the art structure. Like it is now it was frail and flimsy. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. So you see that happen. I'm like, Oh my God. Gosh, this is nuts, man. Mm-hmm. Yo, hold on. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Taker have his first Hell in a Cell match with Shawn Michaels? With Shawn Michaels. Yep, yeah, yeah. Hell in a Cell match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that match was a hell of a match. That was Amazing. A, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, anytime, if you ask me, anytime, well, first of all, Shawn Michaels is the best in-ring performer in the history Goat, baby. of all time. Goat. I, and I will dispute it with anybody at me. I don't think you got but, to. I think everybody knows that. In ring, he's he's it. Like he's mm-hmm. he's the best performer. But mm-hmm. when him and Undertaker go up against each other, it's magic. New I levels. Don't know what it is? It's just fucking magic every time. Like mm-hmm. they can't have a bad match together. It's just impossible. Yeah. Like seriously. if if it's one on one, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. They probably had some crappy tag teams or like triple threats. But like Sean versus Undertaker is it's a yeah. masterpiece. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Every time. I remember yeah. that one. Especially that, because that was a new idea. Like a hell yes. in the cell match hadn't happened. So no one knows what the what was gonna happen. Right. So everything was like a variable. Yeah, you had everything about it. You had the mystique of mm-hmm. what this match is gonna be. So you don't understand what's going on. And then you see the whole steel structure. I'm like, okay, so they're gonna be locked in that cage having a wrestling match. Okay, okay. And they and they can't climb out because it's it's the top's covered. Right. Right. Like, right. Okay. Exactly. You got me now. I'm intrigued. Let's see I, this. I'm hooked. Yeah. <laughs> and then you actually see them starting to perform in this yeah. structure and seeing them, them use it to their advantages. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I, mean, I feel like you had the two perfect people to bring something like that about because it showed um, a couple things. It showed how seamless it could be integrated into a match as far as like being a, a prop. Yeah. Because, you know, they use it as a weapon, so to speak. And sometimes they lift it up, bring it down. You know, sometimes somebody interfering, opening the cage. It's all part of uh, of, of the presentation. Yeah. But another thing, it, it showed how safe you could be in an environment like that. Because they didn't have any structures like that besides the steel cage. And 
if I'm not mistaken, this was the first time that a cage allowed you to walk on the outer perimeter of the ring. Mm -hmm. So that was another variable that I think that they had to take into account in choosing those participants to do that. I think it was the perfect execution. I don't think it would have went. I don't think we would have had as many Hell in a Cell matches as we've had had it not started with Sean and Undertaker. Yeah, they picked, I think they, you're right. They, they nailed it with who they selected to be participating in this first time, this first match that we ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, you got the two two great in-ring performers, and then they go out and just put on a show. Yeah. And, and, and it, it was a beautiful it was top, They were both in there. They were both kind of like, at their, getting into their peak, like in their prime zone. Yeah. So it was just like the best performance they could possibly have was about to happen in, yeah. a, in a structure like that. And yeah. then years later, they have crazy other matches, too. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about those as well. Oh, those matches as classics as well, man. Um, and then, you know, we got to go in, and you know, I talked about earlier, the whole when Kane gets brought into the EV equation. Mm-hmm. Like, another, another that, that whole storyline, like, you already have Undertaker, and then when Undertaker was first introduced, it was introduced as Kane the Undertaker, mm-hmm. and they drop off the Kane part. So mm-hmm. then now they, they, that's just another little tablet that they're able to add to the storyline where they're basically saying, okay, oh, wow, he he killed his brother and then took his name. And right. then like, oh, little Easter egg. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that joint was dope. So mm-hmm. then you see this dude come in and he's like a carbon copy of Undertaker's big, menacing, long black hair, but he got on the red and he's born yeah. from fire and you thought you killed me, but you didn't. And then Bro. he just he got all of Undertaker's moves. And then, and then, uh, yep, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. And then you had a Paul Bear effect, and with he had that Paul Bear, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who's just telling it perfectly as well. I thought that was a great. I thought that was a great like bait and switch because you know, Undertaker and Paul Bear at that point were synonymous. Yeah. So for you to just take them, I felt like it was the same effect when they did that with CM Punk and Brock Lesnar with yeah. Paul Heyman. Mm-hmm. It was like oh, a two, a two Paul, like. I, I, I love that whole element of it, man. That just that just layered it on even more. Yeah, man. And they, they did it up perfectly. And then it's like they had some of the most memorable matches. Like you had that, that infernal the, match. The infernal match. Yeah, you know exactly where I was going with that. Bro. Like what what First they was doing all, during the attitude eras is like it's crazy to think what the like the, the limits that they was taking this shit. Yeah, like oh, bro, if come on, like they shouldn't have got away with a lot of that shit that was going on. At all. <laughs> because that was so unsafe. That was so unsafe. Man. And they had these these motherfuckers was jumping out of the ring like doing planches. Like, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. It's a blazing inferno everywhere. And they and they like and I found out like later on that they like had the ability to control how big yeah. the fire was remotely. And I'm yeah. like, bro, yeah, WWE the, is so unsafe. The preparation that they did for that match. It, 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 took, it took months. Like, it was like, yo, we had to go through every precaution and every procedure to make sure that these two are able to perform, but at the same time, remain as safe as possible. And, like, here, I was hearing Kane talk scary. about it. It was. It was nuts. I was hearing Kane talk about it. He said he's nervous the whole time because he knows that he's going to be having his arm lit on fire at the, at the conclusion of this thing. And it's like one wrong movie if he moves his arm the wrong way. Then, yeah. like, you know, it could burn his face. You know, he could inhale the flames. It could burn him internally, things of that nature there. So he said, like, yeah, man, like, so I had to go out. You prep for this thing. You're building up to the lead up. You go out, you wrestle a 20-minute match. And at the end of it, you got to make sure that um, you're getting your arm lit on fire. You got to make sure that you aren't 
hurting yourself by doing yeah, this, like doing this crazy stunt. And it's all live action. Like it's dude. all live action. It's not like you can rehearse it. You can't practice this. Like, no, your arm's on fire now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. So they, oh had, they had that going on. You had to bury the live matches. Between those uh, that, two, bro, those are those are some of my favorite things. Like those are things elements of wrestling that I miss, like the casket matches and the mm-hmm. buried alive matches. Yep, those things they kind of brought it back a little bit with the scenario that AJ and Undertaker had before he retired. But yeah. like, I loved seeing those elements. Like I just love seeing them slamming each other in the mounds of dirt, just like mm-hmm. getting gritty, getting grimy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, get in there. Yes, sir. And then, you know, they always have the reveal of the tombstone with so-and-so's name on it. Yep. Just <laughs> another little element to that one there. I would hate to be the person getting the dirt dumped on me, though. Yeah, for real. Yeah, uh, I, I feel you on that one there. And, it, and it's just a lot of those things where it's like, yo, like... Especially after, you got the, especially after you got the brakes beat off you for, like, 15, 20 minutes. Then mm-hmm. you get all this dirt piled on you. Yeah, hit with like, shovels and shit. Like, oh, on. God, yo. And I'm just thinking that a little kid at the time, like, oh my God, like we're seeing again, how yeah. like how many times are we gonna see people die <laughs> on television? Like why television? Yo, WWE has like the craziest body count. If you think about it, like Seriously. so many scenarios and like vignettes and stories are like people died or like yeah. like legit like Vince McMahon died. Vince McMahon a- died, got blew up. <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell? Like, and they had like murderers. Like, they had people with like guns and all types. Like, uh, like Triple H murdered somebody. Like, mm-hmm. there's <laughs> how did they get away with this stuff? <laughs> yeah, the limits of the attitude era was it was none. Like, it was ridiculous, bro. Like, you seen a lot of stuff that as Undertaker was hanging people. He was crucifying people. Like, crucifying was- <laughs> people. Yes, had people legit on crosses bro. in the ring, bro. High above the ceiling, the oh. ring. Like, yo, what is going on? What about watching? You know what I also thought was a very uh dope kind of like underrated storyline was the the uh when he had his faction. Yeah, the, the the Ministry of Darkness. Yeah, the Ministry of Darkness. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that, that introduced that introduced the brood and yes. Christian to us. That yes. like and I love the way that. I love APA when they were the acolytes back then with the mm-hmm. Undertaker when they were just straight brutes just coming in, just beating the brakes mm-hmm. off. And that was it. Like, I don't have nothing to say. I'm here to beat the brakes. That's and that they had like Midian, they had Viscera, they had yes. a bunch of the characters. Like, yes, that joint was dope to me. I, I, I really appreciated okay. that point. Um, and like the brood, uh, real quick, just a little sidebar. That's another one of those factions that I go, I think it goes. Love. Unappreciated. Yeah, this is one of they. You know, they was dope. You had a whole, and one of the most fire intros, hands down, hands down. We still got to do that episode, by the way. Fire. That. Yes. Joint, yeah, that joint was crazy. You got a dude coming up from hell with a Bro. with blood in a cup, <laughs> Gang Grill, and Gang Grill. He sold it so well. You know, yeah, with the he hands did. coming up with the, mm-hmm. with the chalice and everything. the music, the music hitting everything. One of the hardest musics ever. Music mm-hmm. intros ever. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Edge and Christian, like they sold it. Yeah. Everything about that joint was dope, Bill. The brew it, it integrated so seamlessly with the Ministry of Darkness. And uh, again, shout out to the Undertaker for a small character change yes. there as well, because he went, you know, to like this Dark Lord esque character where he started wearing the cloaks and hoods, and that's right. when he started bringing out the druids more and things yep. like that. Like he just changed. He didn't change the Undertaker for what it was. He just shifted for the character it was trying to. Yeah, become. to me, he just enhanced it to another level. 
Yeah. Now, now he's now he, like you said, he's he's the Dark Lord at that point. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's coming out. He, 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 they're doing sacrifices in the ring pretty yeah. much at this point. Like, that joint was crazy. It was I, crazy. I, I love that whole era of wrestling for factions, period. Yeah. Like, faction-based wrestling or, like, group matches and things like that. That's, like... That's probably my favorite thing to watch in yeah. wrestling. Like, that's why I love like you know Royal Rumble is, is always gonna be my favorite pay per view all mm-hmm. time. Like I will never miss a Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. But like the, all the factions they had, like the Ministry of Darkness, the DX, the Nation of Domination, you had like all of that. Yeah, I felt like that time frame was, it was so unique because you could have so such massive matches and so so many different parts of the groups beefing with each other like you have the brew beefing with a section of the nation of domination or like you have the brew beefing with lod or whoever the case may mm-hmm. be it's, they have so many different ways that they can they can go with it yeah uh, and like the really storylines like, the storylines were it was it was unlimited you could yeah, come in so deep yeah and everything was so deep and I, they, everything just intertwined greatly like everything was so dope like the, uh when they even did like the the corporation was it the 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 ministry of corporation or something mm-hmm. like that Corporate ministry. Yeah, the corporate ministry. Like, that joint was dope. I'm like, yo, man, there's just so many ideas that they was able to put together. And then, uh, you know, Attitude Era just gave us jewels, man. Attitude Era was a a unique time, man. It's a time that we will never see again. I hate to say it. Yeah. But, like, uh, society is too sensitive now for the Attitude Era. Yeah, that's a fact. Not last. At all. Oh, no, that still get dragged. Like, you just... Oh, Oh, yeah. They'd be getting there, dragged. There'd be there'd be issues every week. There'd be articles every week about every little thing that is being done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a big fact. Again, motherfuckers was getting crucified. <laughs> Legit crucified ring. in the ring. Dude. Getting struck by lightning. <laughs> crazy. It, it, it's it's crazy to me. Like though the that's again speaks to Mark Calloway as a person and as a character, his ability to sell that kind of thing because you there's somewhere in the back of your head where you know it's not real yeah but like there was always that mystique he had with this character that's like i mean i know i'm not supposed to believe this but he making it hard for me not to believe it yeah like that's what i always liked about his character he he, there was no limits to what he needed to do to sell it like I, i love when they brought him back when it was like they kept having those screens show up or just like random bolts of lightning and then yeah. that one Monday Night Raw he came and the casket was just there and he was in it yeah I was like oh mm-hmm. they did the the the, uh, the children of the corn little girls singing the song and shit yeah. like that yeah 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 they did that perfect the elements he would just integrate in there like I said I could tell a lot of his influence was from like scary movies yeah you could tell like mm-hmm. a lot of that it just it just plays with your mind and like lets you know you know what's real yeah well you think you know it's real, but yeah. like when you see stuff like that, it's like uh, it makes you question w- what you're watching. It makes you question what you're seeing. The psychological mind fuck that yeah. he gave it it really fucked me up as a kid. Like it was legit. Like I'm sitting there for thinking, thirty years. Seriously, yo. <laughs> like seriously, like legit had me like, yo, what? Oh my god! Like I just this dude is like he's gonna come to my house and it I'm gonna be. It literally wasn't until on the cross. Like, <laughs> it was right. It literally wasn't until like two years ago when Undertaker made like an Instagram where I started thinking like, oh shit, Undertaker's like a, a real person. He's right? a real dude. 
like he's not just he's not just some dude that goes and wrestles and then goes and lays in his lair until his next match yeah i'm like dude i'm thinking like this dude like hibernates in a cave until it's time to you know Mm -hmm. activate the druids to bring him out like like they have to make a ritual in order for him to fight type shit yeah dude like no you don't have to get the infinity gauntlets this is a real man yeah but like that just goes with the selling of his character creating his art and like the way he pushed it and he really believed in it so much that he made sure that we believe that shit yeah and he did it perfectly yeah. what did you uh how did you feel about when he had left and came back as the american badass what was your first impression on that initially i didn't like it i hated it mm. but in hindsight i understand why he had to do it mm -hmm. um and then once he started getting more into the character, like when it was first introduced, it was just, I was so set in my ways. I just yeah. was used to the dead man. Yeah. I was used to the dead man. I was sitting here like, I don't want no Undertaker on a motorcycle, you know, just straight rebellious. Right. But, you know, just just looking at what he was able to do and the way he enhanced his character. And I love the la the introduction of The Last Ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, an, uh, incredible maneuver taking just such a simple maneuver like the power bomb and just enhancing it that much more yeah just by a and little a little lift up a little a little, a little extra lift up and puts that much more impact yeah and i think what made me start getting more behind it was like when he started integrating dope music like yeah, the, yeah. The, the kid rock the limp biscuit intro mm -hmm. i'm just like breathe in and breathe out hands up my hands I'm like, down i'm like okay okay mm -hmm. i think i think one thing that helped sell the american badass character for me was probably the video games yeah like the smackdown versus raw oh yeah era of the video games really pushed that undertaker like in your face yeah, and like I used, to, I remember I, whenever I would create a wrestler, I would always use his intro because you could just ride in on a motorcycle. Yeah, you got I was, to. I was yeah. just the music. Yeah, got to come in on a motorcycle. I did yeah, the I video. That was dope. The video games are something else too because you could go and pick up the motorcycle and mm -hmm. just beat people, beat people with it. Like, <laughs> dude, I I sort of miss those arcade days of like yeah. wrestling games. Yeah, like, I really felt like that's what helped push the american badass for me was like the, the video game like yeah i wanted the last ride motherfuckers in the video game so that's mm -hmm. what it was and it was just like when i started seeing that it just translated to real life i'm like man undertaker's fire yeah he is american like, badass is fire it was the same thing with me too it took a little while to to get used to this new undertaker because you know growing up you've seen him as the dead man you've seen him mm -hmm. as this, this zombie-like figure and he started um, talking more too. Yeah, exactly. And you see, like, you started to notice his mics because at that point it was pretty much just Paul Bear talking for him. Mm -hmm. And then every now and then you hop on the mic and whatnot. Um, and then, like, he became an American badass. So you could see that, okay, how versatile of a character he can be. Because, yeah. okay, I just went from this dead man who barely talked and just beat people ass. And so now I'm talking on the mic. I'm doing my own promos and everything of that nature mm -hmm. there, but I'm still beating your ass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're still getting the business. At You're the end still of the day. getting this work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, this is my yard and I'm the big yep. dog and all that started to come around and stuff like that. And one thing I appreciated about it, like looking back at it as an adult, like that's one thing that I like to do is I like to re revisit memories as an adult to see how I understand it now that I know so much more about wrestling. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's the little side things that I like to notice. And one thing I love about the American Badass character now as an adult is that you realize that's who the Undertaker truly was as a person. Like, yeah. that character was a direct personification of his real life self. Yeah. 
And that made me appreciate his character so much more as an adult because, like, that's something we didn't know at the time. Yeah. It was just, like, we probably all thought that Undertaker was this dark, brutish, like, you know, punk kind of character. Right. Uh, just based on his persona. But, no, the American Badass, motorcycle driving, beer swinging, you yeah. know, that's truly who Mark Calloway was. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that, in hindsight, reviewing you know that character and yeah you notice how it, it humanized him yeah it, yeah it humanized him like okay so he's not just like you say he's not just some dead figure mm-hmm. um he's an actual person and then like he's brought an element from his actual life into the ring and yep. and just let him more of his personality show and, and i like, felt and i felt like he had some some sleeper matches during that time frame like yeah. there were some good matches during there mm-hmm. one of my favorite matches with the american badass undertaker was when he wrestled jeff hardy Mm-hmm. ladder match oh yeah 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 bro mm-hmm. crazy crazy match i went back and watched that match probably like two weeks ago uh-huh. and like that was one of the few moments where i could recall undertaker breaking character like on camera yeah 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 like he grabbed his hand and was like yeah good yeah. shit youngster i was like oh that was dope because and I like that moment as well because you got Jeff Hardy and Jeff Hardy at that point he was just known as just the 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 second half of the Hardy Boys it was him and Matt Hardy high flying duo and it was fun yep. to watch but he became more of a of a single competitor and then mm-hmm. there that match against Undertaker I think kind of definitely put him in that main that main it le- frame it legitimized him for sure yeah exactly it's like yo this kid is legit you know what I'm saying and. I think that's the reason probably why he had a more successful singles career than Matt. Like, yeah. I, I think that match, uh, I mean, I, I would say that match alone, probably. Yeah, yeah, they definitely put him over. Like, you know, that's another thing about Undertaker, man. He he yeah. was one of those guys that could put anybody over. And, like he you, no, and he had no problem putting you over. Exactly, exactly. Undertaker always did business, always. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I truly respected about him. He, he always did business. He, he was always what's best for the company, Mm-hmm. Um, yo, did you know him and Vince McMahon were such good friends? I kind of had an idea, but like I didn't realize how close until watching the documentary. Yeah, like, I-, I figured for someone to be a pillar of your company as long as he had yeah. had been, uh, you you have to have some sort of like really really tight bond and relationship. Yeah, but I felt like the documentary did a really really good job of. Of another thing in humanizing Vince McMahon as well, mm-hmm. and showing that like, yeah, Vince McMahon is a character as well in the wrestling world. Right. But this let us see the real Vince McMahon and how he cares for you know his athletes because I know he catches a lot of flack for like yeah. sometimes the way you know the superstars are treated, but you could just see that he really really understood what Undertaker needed. He made sure he was there when he needed him to be. Yeah. And, like, he, he went for whatever he had to to make sure his number one superstar that was always there from day one never left him yeah. was taken care of. Yeah, and then Undertaker returned the favor as well, man. He, yeah. he remained loyal to Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, even when you had the Monday Night Wars going on with WCW, he still remained loyal. He had a, people jumping ship and whatnot, but he was never, never one did. of those guys. Yeah, he, he wanted to make sure that he made it. He made the WWE. He wanted to make sure that that would remain number one and, and continue forward. And I thought it was dope, like, hearing that. Um, like, I, it kind of, like, it resonated with me when he said that uh, his match against Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. when he had got concussed at WrestleMania, and mm-hmm. he had to go straight to the hospital. 
And they were saying that Vince McMahon left WrestleMania that night to go to go with him. The hospital. Yeah, I was like, oh shit. That's when I was like, damn, that was that was his man's. Like, that's his man's right there. That's, that's his guy. His, that's his guy for sure. Yeah. Like through thick and thin, Undertaker has always been there. Like that's always a constant you have with WWE. He's like, he's like the Kobe Bryant of WWE. Mm-hmm. He always yeah. stayed loyal to his source. Yeah. That's a, hey, that's a that's a real good comparison. I like that actually. Yeah. I mean, the longevity speaks for itself. And, like, I feel like the fan base has always appreciated him for that because The Undertaker has always remained, like, the pillar of WWE. You know if you're going to see a WWE product, The Undertaker is going to be there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah. with the, like, the big main events. Like, you always, like, wrestle, The Undertaker WrestleMania match. That was, it. he he put it perfectly. Like it, it, it's It's the two events that you want to see the most. It's, it's the main event mm-hmm. for the title, and it's, Who's going up who's against the Undertaker? Yeah, who's going mm-hmm. up for the who's going to try to compete for the streak and end this streak and whatnot? And um, like classic WrestleMania uh, matches. We talked about, about the the thing I love about the streak is it wasn't even like a planned thing. Right, what fucking happened. Right. Yeah, he said he didn't even notice it until like ten matches in. Like I got to yeah. WrestleMania ten and or his tenth WrestleMania match, and yeah. he's like, okay, yeah, we still got this thing going. And that's when it officially became a thing for yeah. him. Yeah, and that's when they kind of started promoting it and whatnot. I felt like that was so smart. Like, it was so organic because, uh, again, perfect person to have Mm -hmm. make this happen because the mystique and the mystery behind the Undertaker character, Mm -hmm. it was perfect. It's like you're chasing this this myth that you're never going to be able to grab. So I always loved that element of the streak. Like, once once they started bringing more light to it, and again, like you said, classic matches. Yeah. Oh, my God. You were talking about them earlier, man. Punk. Yeah. I don't feel like my man get enough love. That's one of my favorite wrestlers. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Yep, shout out to CM Punk, man. That was one of, first of all, one of the best build-ups. Yes, sir. As well as execution of the matches, especially considering CM Punk did most of it himself because Undertaker wasn't there for most of it. Mm -hmm. And when they got, when they finally got down to the match and they fought, and it was just like, oh, it just showed Undertaker's ability to be able to work with somebody any size, any style. It doesn't matter. I felt like the smaller the person was, Undertaker was fighting, his matches were better. Yeah. Like like I said, with that Jeff Hardy match, that was a mm-hmm. great match. His feuds with Rey Mysterio, amazing matches. Mm-hmm. His feud with CM Punk, amazing matches. Shawn yeah. Michaels, smaller individuals. Like, he just knows how to make a smaller person s- still look like his moves are impactful. Yeah. But not lose any of the impact of his character right like he never diminished who the undertaker was even when he would be selling or like you know taking bumps for other superstars right yeah yeah exactly man exactly and i think to that to that to add to your point because like undertaker's a big dude like he's a real life big dude the man is a legit six eight six nine six ten yeah, yeah he's a big um man. you know what i'm saying so he's able to throw these little little dudes around but at the same time, he's able to sell their moves. He's able to make them look good, you know? Yeah. And he did it perfectly. He did it with everybody. You got I these little, like, got these like little guys like, flying around. underrated bump taker. Underrated yeah, he bump is. taker. Yeah, 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 he is. He really is. Um, and, like, you just see him, like, also when he started to add the, the when he jump out the ring, full body, full force, I'm like, oh, my God, what? You see this big-ass dude just flying Why? like this. Why you got skills like that? <laughs> that is ridiculous, yo. First of all, I don't want to be on the opposite end of catching him when he's flying out. Of seriously. Ring. Yeah, seriously. That's like 300 pounds of man meat just falling. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, 
don't want to be there. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> bro, that's... That's a whole lot of men moving bro, fast, coming at you fast. That's a massive frame just, like, hitting your whole body. Like, mm-mm. Man. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Bro. Um, We were talking about it earlier. We touched on it a little bit earlier when uh, WrestleMania matches, the, the two Shawn Michaels matches, which, to me, uh, in WrestleMania history... Like you talk about like top ten matches all time. I think you got you have to put those in there in the, in yeah. that category. And if you listen- ask me, if you ask me, the second one is the greatest match of all time. Yeah, I feel you the on that. Greatest one. WrestleMania match ever. I feel you on that one. I, I feel you on that one. I I've watched that match probably fifty times, and you can't find a mistake in it. There's mm-hmm. no flaws in that match. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect match. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know how they did that. <laughs> I think it again. You're taking two of the most iconic wrestlers, and you know, at this point, Shawn Michaels at the end of his career, and then Undertaker's at the tail end as well. And you just like, yo, this is going to be my last match, my last like official match here. We're going balls to the wall. We're yeah. giving everything that we can to this match. We're going to take every element of every match that we ever had and just kind of put it all yes. into one. Yes. And we're just going to go out and do it. And it was as simple. Like, they did it. Like, it was, they, they, just poetry everything. emotion. Po- yeah, exactly. Just, poetry just, emotion. It was like, and, and the thing that I love about it is like, I'm, I'm, I'm critical with in-ring performance when it comes to like rating wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, the character is important, but I don't feel it should be weighed as heavily as your in-ring ability. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, in that match, like there, I, I don't like when matches have wasted sequences. Yeah, like when you're just doing something just to fucking do it. Like, right. I feel like a lot of the a lot of the indie wrestlers, not to take anything from independent wrestling, because I love that too. Yeah. But like I feel like where a lot of independent wrestlers make the mistake is like they get spot happy and they just want to do spots just for the sake of doing a spot. Mm-hmm. Like with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, and in those matches in particular, I don't feel like there were any wasted spots. Every spot had a meaning, had an intention. It led to something later or or something that it played to in previous matches, like you said. Like, yeah. there was nothing wasted. Yeah, I feel you on that one, bro. Um, like you said, like, it just, it flowed so perfect. Like, it just yeah. flowed. Everything just flowed so perfect. The perfect ending. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the the whole, how they, even with the, the Ric Flair storyline, because it kind of tied into oh. that as well. Shawn Michaels Rick. eliminated Ric Flair. Love Ric Flair, go. Undertaker's talking about, you know, you ended Ric Flair's career, and I'm about to end your career. Like, man, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, God. That was, that was the thing that I felt like was so important with their feud, was how they dragged out the storyline. Yes. That was, like, two years. Like, they were, like, that was two years straight they were feuding. Right. So, the buildups to that and like all the in-between stuff and like how they were integrating everybody they could possibly integrate into it. Yeah. man, That's just some, that was just some fine detail right there that I don't feel like WWE has been putting forth lately. Yeah. I feel you on that one, bro. I need, I need more of that, but with the exception of NXT, I should say Mm -hmm. NXT, I'd say does a really, really good job of extending the storylines and, and really, developing the characters and forming a a hate true hatred between these athletes on tv for you yeah they don't i don't feel like they do that so much with raw and smackdown anymore Mm -hmm. and i felt like undertaker was one of the best 
at helping that. Like he loved to drag a storyline on. Like the longer you drag it, cool. Yeah. Cause it plays to his mystique. He's a he's like he's like the boogeyman. Yeah. So it, it's perfect for him. Also, it's crazy to think how he the WWE has had his its share of, of big time stars. Oh yeah. So it's crazy how he's able to still stand out amongst guys that he's wrestling with. So Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. Bret Hart, Stone Cold, The Rock, mm-hmm. you know, several different names where these are legit super Brock Lesnar comes into the fold. Kurt Angle comes into the fold. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that even, was another small wrestler I forgot to mention. They had great matches with Kurt oh, Angle. Yeah. Kurt Angle, oh. man. Mm-hmm. Another GOAT, another legend mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And he just put on great matches with him. Um, but like even with all those wrestlers, you still like Undertaker just was like it felt like he was always there. Like no matter who they brought in, no matter who's being built up at the time, it was always just like, yo, all right. So you still got the Undertaker there, and he's still one of the top dogs, no matter what storyline's going on, no matter what's yeah. going on, you're always tuned into what what's going on with the Undertaker storyline. Right. It was e- even when he was like in the thing that's funny to think about now. I'm now, now <laughs> looking back in my brain, like. Undertaker is like the only person that was in the mid card mm-hmm. that was not considered a mid carder. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. even when he was when he was holding the mid tier titles like the tag titles and the intercontinental title and stuff like that. Right. That that makes you a mid carder. Right. Technically, he's the only person that was a mid carder that was still getting like high profile, like top of the line main event matches and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you a mid-carder and main event in WrestleMania? It just speaks to him, man. It just speaks to him perfectly, you know? Oh, man. Like, I remember the, the uh, when he had the, the tag team titles with, with Kane as the Brothers Kane. of Destruction. Woo! And that was dope. Woo! They just, they just went from having iconic matches with one another throughout the early, uh, late 90s and then early 2000s come around, and now they just kicking ass everyone. together. Yeah, now they're kicking ass together. And they had that fire intro. Mm-hmm. Oh and, and, and then the outro too when they walk out and they both raise their arm up bro oh my god bro yeah. you bring back some memories right now boy i'm gonna have to go in my uh wrestling dvds got to re-binge got to man oh my god but yeah it's, I, got, I think i got some of those wrestlemanias we were talking about too i'm gonna have to relook i mean we might, we might have to get up and uh we got to do an episode yeah bro. yeah yeah we got to watch those <laughs> and do an episode on those man fact man um but yeah man it's 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 been a, it's kind of crazy seeing it come to an end. Cause every, all yeah. good things is going to come to an end in life. You know, never, nothing lasts forever. But if you're asking me, it should have come to an end a few years ago. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 I feel you on that one. He was talking the, about, uh, he the had documentary, have, the documentary made me understand what was had, going on. He had to have that surgery. Like that, that surgery was gruesome too, man. Like, that joint was that nasty. Oh yes. My yes. Yes. I'm mad that the documentary just like shoved it in our face without no warning. It was just like, yeah, I'm going to go into my surgery and then bang, it's in your face. It's like, oh, come on, give me a warning, bro. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, he was sitting there. my eyes. He was done. Like, he was like done. Like, oh, this is it for me. Like, I can't do this no more. But then he has a surgery and it just kind of extends his career just a yeah. little bit longer. Just to give us a little bit more. I must admit, he looked really good when he came out of that surgery and when he was training. Like, yeah. when they showed him and his wife, uh, when they were getting ready for that, whatever match that was, he was returning it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. He was looking so solid. Like, the way he was hitting the ropes. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I always indicate uh, how good of a wrestler you are, mm-hmm. how hard you hit the ropes. Like, yeah. 
because I've been in a wrestling ring before and I felt them ropes and them shits hurt. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't, they don't feel like what you would think they they feel like. They're not elastic. Them shits are like leather. Like, yeah. So if someone's hit with the way he was just hitting those ropes, I'm like, oh man, Taker mm-hmm. might. Oh no, Undertaker might be back, baby. <laughs> and real quick, just to touch on that, this is like for the casuals, because I get into I got into some arguments where people saying, like, yo, wrestling is fake. That's why I stopped watching it. Wrestling is far from fake. It's not fake. It's it's it's, it's predetermined. It's predetermined, it's staged. It's and mm-hmm. I think Undertaker laid it out perfectly. He said it's athletic storytelling. Mm-hmm. Those hits that they're taking, those bumps, like all that is real. That shit really hurts. I, t- I tell this to people all the time. If you ever get an opportunity to go into an actual wrestling ring, whether it's an independent show or of any sort, go in that motherfucker and feel what the canvas feel like. Mm-hmm. It is not forgiving. Right. Like, that's what made me really, really have an extreme respect for wrestlers growing up because at mm-hmm. a really, really young age, I got an opportunity to go inside of a wrestling ring. Mm-hmm. So when I felt that and like, cause in your head, you're thinking it's like a bed. You're yeah. thinking it's like soft. It's like, yeah. no, no, that is is one step above the fucking ground. So, <laughs> so it, for these men to be slamming their flesh and bone on this mm-hmm. daily. And this is the thing that I always argue with people about wrestlers. When is off season for wrestling? Ain't no off season. There ain't one. Ain't they no off season all year long. They're yes, the only sir. athletes that don't have an off season. Mm-hmm. They're traveling three hundred plus days a year. Yeah, and wrestling all the all the holidays, all the events, like all the major cities, different there countries. There ain't there ain't no off period. So these motherfuckers are more arguably more athletic than some of the people in the NFL, people in the NBA, because you they're have- active. All year. All year. You got to remain in shape all year. Your mm-hmm. body, you, you don't get a rest. Nope. And the, you, and you the, rarely get a rest. And the tax that traveling as much yes. as you do puts on your body. Yes. Like, dude, it, it, I, I really, truly appreciate wrestling as a craft. Yes. And, and it's something that I would love to be a world I would love to be a part of. But just from watching it as, as closely as I have over the years, I know I never could. Mm. Like I'm not built like that. Like <laughs> these these people that do that, man, bro, fucking kudos, bravo yeah. to you because I could never be a part of that world. You gotta give them the respect. You gotta give them the respect. You can't disrespect. You have to. You can't just sit here and say it's fake and this and that and that's not real and not really hitting each. No, no, no. These dudes is legit going through it, bro. I always tell people that that argue that one thing that I noticed that people that always say wrestling is fake is they've never been to a wrestling event. Mm-hmm. They've only ever seen it on TV. Mm-hmm. If you go to a live wrestling event, that will change your perspective on everything. I don't care if it's indie or WWE, AEW, whomever. If you go to a live wrestling event, you will understand, number one, how much goes into the promotion and putting it together. All the different pieces that you have to combine to make a show. And the impact of the moves is really understood when you go to a live show. Because the difference is when you're watching on TV... Most of the audio you hear is the commentators and yeah. the dialogue. You don't hear the physical hitting of the mat. When you're in an arena and a motherfucker takes that backdrop and they hit, you hear it. It mm-hmm. echoes through the whole stadium. So you can understand, like, the impact that, the, that, that these individuals are taking. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it's a real deal. It's legit real, yo. It's real deal. Um, 
I want to get your reaction on this, and then we go ahead and wrap this up. So when the streak was officially broken, the WrestleMania streak. Yep. What was your reaction on that? How did you feel? What type of mood did that put you in? Okay, I went through a roller coaster of emotions at first because, of course, being a wrestling fan for 25-plus years like I've been, it's Undertaker has been that one constant that you've always seen. And right. then when the when the streak became a, a manifestation of something that we paid attention to, um, that was one of those things that like you hold sacred as a wrestling purist. Yeah. You're just like, nah, the streak is like the streak was more important than a title in some cases. Like, so it once it was broken, I was like sad. I just felt like a part of my childhood was 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 just boom, just smashed. Yeah. But I understand. As a, I'm so glad that I got to see the streak break as an adult and not a kid. Yeah. Because my understanding of wrestling immediate immediately came in, and I said, "Well, let's let's unpackage this. Who is the most impactful wrestler right now? Yeah, Rock Lesnar. Who could believably beat the streak where no one could argue and be like, oh, that's bullshit. That's a fluke. The only way you could have beaten the streak was by some alternative means. No.'" Brock Lesnar legitimately came in there, whooped Undertaker ass, and beat the streak. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, you know what? It was the perfect time for it. It yeah. made sense. It was smart. But my only argument about it is his career should have ended right there. Yeah. There should have been no more matches after that. It should have been done. That should have been it. That would have been the perfect way to go out. I agree with you on that one 100%. Um, the whole moment just kind of put myself back in, back into that moment. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, first of all, it was shocking as hell because anything that we don't see for the, like anything that we see for the first time is just mm-hmm. kind of, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know You're what I'm saying? Like, right. Like the first person that ever discovered fire pretty much, I'm pretty sure it had the same reaction that we had mm-hmm. watching the Undertaker lose his first match at WrestleMania. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So seeing this, like, oh my God, yo, what, what the fuck did I just watch? What the hell just happened? Yeah. Um, I like the dude, like, you know, the the iconic that, meme that, of the black dude. dude. Yeah. I think Whoa. everybody had that face at mm-hmm. that point in time. And everybody's in shock. And like the whole moment itself, Paul Heyman, what he how he's able to sell, oh my God. Oh my God. Paul Heyman like, is a goat. Oh my Paul, goodness. Yeah, Paul Heyman is a fucking goat, yo. The way oh he's selling God. it. The way that Brock is selling it, yo, what the fuck did I just do? I just Brock's just laughing. He's like, yeah, just conquered the unconquered. Everything, everything about that whole sequence is. And yo, so the whole sequence, the match, you know, you see Undertaker getting tossed around by Brock the whole match, and then getting F five twice, and then finally getting pinned down, and 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 match being over. And then uh, afterwards, you know, everybody's getting out the ring, and then you see him on his knee, and you know, he's kind of just like sitting there sulking. And they mm-hmm. see the 21 and one. And I thought, yeah, I agree. That that should have been it. That would have been the perfect ending for it. But to then to realize, not to realize, but to then to learn that he was concussed for yeah, a majority for of that match. match. Mm-hmm. Like he's legit concussed for a majority of that match. And they said that he didn't remember nothing. Like Bro, the whole day. Didn't remember look at how, nothing. Look at how good the match was, though. Seriously. That's what's crazy to me. Seriously. Like your brain and your muscle memory was that wired to do everything that you did and still be able to execute while concussed. Yeah. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. And again, I just, it just, so Mark Calloway, the person, it just goes to show the, the determination and just how much he 
put into this character. Mm-hmm. Like they put everything into this character. It was all about the character. And with a, a fucking concussion being tossed around by a 280 pound man. Yeah, like and like, Brock, what the right. Hell? It's not it's not like it was a regular person he was in the match with. He's wrestling with a once in a generation athlete. Seriously. Brock Lesnar. Like seriously. Dude. And that's that's another thing that's cool too that a lot of people don't know that Brock and Undertaker are really good friends. Yeah. Like they look like they hate each other in the ring as their characters, but like these dudes are really, really good friends. Mm-hmm. Really good friends. Like I, I noticed that from the documentary as well, like the little scenes in between, like when they were just chatting with one another. It's like yeah. Hmm. yeah. Hey Brock. That's yeah. that's probably that's probably why that was able to work the way it worked. Yeah. Because Brock was probably just like, bro, I'll take the heat. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. worried about anybody saying anything about me beating the streak. I'm Brock Lesnar. Right. And then, like, I'm built the for this. It, yeah, he's built for that. And then yeah. the match itself, like, the chemistry and the friendship between the two of them probably helped Undertaker still be able to kind of be guided through by Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Because there, if you if you look back at it, there's not it's not it's not directed by the undertaker the match is the match usually goes in the flow of the way the undertaker goes whenever he fights mm-hmm. that match you could tell a lot of it went in brock lesnar's direction mm-hmm. but it wasn't a bad thing right but i don't know it was just different to see it was different to see him not be in control so mm-hmm. i understand from knowing that why he wanted to come back and yeah. do another match yeah and that, yeah yeah when you put it that way it makes sense but at the same time, though, like, I, I do wish it kind of would have ended there still. Especially like, because, in my opinion, a couple of the moves they made after he they brought him back was stupid. Right. Like they was going to bring him back, and he already, the street was already beat. He should right. let my man Bray Wyatt get the dub the next year. Yeah. I would have rather had Bray Wyatt get it than Roman Reigns get it. Bray Wyatt should have caught the dub, and that should have made The Fiend happen right then and there. We shouldn't have had to wait three years for it. Mm-hmm. That should have made the dominance of him happen right there because not, I also mentioned prior to that, Bray Wyatt had already defeated Kane and absorbed his essence. Mm. So, like, you could have just played along with, okay, now that I absorbed Kane, I also absorbed The Undertaker. Now I'm an ultimate being. Yeah. The, the Undertaker could have fucking left right then and there. He could have passed the torch to Bray Wyatt right there. Mm-hmm. Boom. Walk off to the sunset because their match was good, too. Yeah, I think um, you you probably just nailed it right there, bro. Like, you, you took two of the probably the most menacing characters that we ever seen in WWE history, mm-hmm. and you go ahead and form a, a different level of, of menacing character with Bray yeah. Wyatt and The Fiend. I think that would have been perfect. Yeah, and also Sting, too. I forgot about Sting. He absorbed Sting's power prior to fighting The mm-hmm. Undertaker, too. Another so character, like, another person that had that mysterious, mysterious yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're going to make him do all this build up and just get these characters in his essence to get beat? What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> that don't make no sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah, but it, man. Yeah, but but Undertaker, man, it's just, when you say wrestling, you got to think of Undertaker. Yeah. It's, he's one of the first names that pop up in your head. Yeah. He's like legit is. And it, it's, it's been a hell of a ride, man. Like the the uh, the documentary name is perfect. The last ride. Like Amazing. It, just, it just fits perfect with it. And just wrestling, just the, my wrestling love, fanhood yeah. would not have been the same without the Undertaker character. Like I, I can't I can't even imagine my wrestling fanhood, my my childhood, 
uh, going into my teenager years, going into my adult years. He's been there through like my whole life. Like Integ yeah. has been there throughout literally my legit my whole life. Yep. And and as much of a wrestling fan as I was when I was younger, and then you know not so much now, but still, it's just one of those things where when I think of wrestling, there's just certain characters I think about: The Rock, Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Undertaker. They're all like they're there. There's just prominent, and Undertaker is above is is on top of the of the right, list. So. Yeah, he's right, right, right so. up top on that list there, man. Yeah, it's like it. I think the thing that's amazing about wrestling is the ability for these characters to have that sort of impact on you. It's a yeah. lasting impact because at the end of the day, yes, they're portraying characters, but they're trying to per, they're personifying a meaning, a goal of some sort. Yeah. Like, and I always felt like Undertaker's indicator was his longevity. Like he's always going to be that diamond in the rough that's just standing there when everything else is falling around around you. And right. That pillar just standing there. Yeah. When you see WWE, you got to You got to acknowledge the Undertaker. You got to. He, he's the only one that's been there for the entirety of his career. Mm-hmm. You have you have to recognize that throughout three different generations, literally three different generations of fans, he's been there and he's recognized. And you can go and ask like a, a like a ten year old kid right now who the Undertaker is, and they'll tell you who he is. Mm-hmm. You, you can ask, ask a, you can ask a casual that doesn't even watch wrestling; they know who the Undertaker is. Exactly, exactly, and, and that speaks volumes to you know what Mark Calloway has created, and the I'm just thankful for him allowing his craft to shine the way he let it Mm -hmm. and like being unafraid to just, you know, continue to portray this mystique and this mystery and just always upholding kayfabe to a degree where you you never really know us as fans. We want to be entertained, but yes, we want to believe in what we're watching. Yeah. And I always felt like that whenever I watched the undertaker, he always made sure he wanted us to believe in what he was what he was showing us the product that he was presenting and i always felt that yeah and yeah exactly i think that's the perfect way to kind of say that man that's the end it's 100 man it's hell of a career undertaker uh hell of a ride hell of a ride bro yeah we appreciate everything that you've done and um i'm kind of looking forward to seeing him as a person mark calloway as a person uh being on instagram being on social media doing interviews and just getting to hear like the backstories of his whole career, like yep. see, like I remember just talking about the the Montreal screw job, him explaining that and how he wanted uh, to be more involved in that. He wished that Vince maybe would, Vince would have used him more for that, and just seeing like all the different storylines of what could have been and how he viewed it from his perspective. Yep. And I'm um, I'm curious to see what the future holds for him as far as WWE talent, because I know he's had a couple opportunities to work with uh, Performance Center, uh-huh. and I think that's going to be a big impact for. Uh, the coming generation of bigger athletes, bigger wrestling superstars. It's like invaluable knowledge that he can pass to them. So I think the future of big men in wrestling is is secure. We have people like Undertaker still giving out information. Shout out to Undertaker, man. Yeah, shout out uh, to Undertaker. Never, never will be replicated. Never again. Hopefully not. See, it shouldn't be. Like that should just be Hall of Fame. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and and, and first, I'm looking forward to the speech. Hall- First ballot Hall of Famer, no question. No question. Rest in peace to Paul Bear. I'm sad he's not alive because I know that's who would be inducting him into it. Yeah. But I'm I'm very curious to see who's gonna be 
his inductee. Wouldn't be All surprised right. if it's Vince McMahon himself. Probably. That's what I'm thinking it's going to be. Definitely probably going to be Vince. But Bryce, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, brother. man. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you coming on. It's definitely a good good subject here. Um, oh, yeah. I'm always down to talk wrestling, especially Undertaker. Oh, yeah. I'm always down to get your perspective as well, man. I know that you know your shit. And um, as, as you can see, I got my boy right over there to rock. He always oh, yeah. Know, know oh, yeah. Role. Know your role, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You got anything uh, coming up in the future here? Um, yeah, actually, we had a we have an interview today with uh, a guy named Will Rogers. Mm-hmm. He has his own clothing line out of Buffalo. Dope. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna release that this week with him. Um, what I plan on doing, uh, not just me, but the the network Push Start Podcast and To Be Continued, we're gonna start doing a lot more vlogs and a lot more uh, interview style okay um, episodes. So we got a lot of guests lined up. We got a lot of interesting things coming up, and I'm also gonna have a chance to go and uh check out this guy that makes arcade cabinets okay oh i'm gonna have a nice little uh little tidbit video for you guys just you know getting the chance to pick his brain and talk about what he does that's what's up stay tuned for that pushstartmedianetwork.com pushstartmedianetwork.com yep go click on it go check it out check it out i know you heard us talk about it everywhere everywhere it's on everything it's a movement it's a revolution be a part of it for for Undertaker and Kane. We gotta throw that. You gotta. Oh yeah, throw, you already know. That's how we right off into the sunset, G. Everybody that's listening to this, thank you for listening to another episode. Make sure you go on like the Facebook page, Sports Your Enthusiasm Podcast, and also yeah. the Push Start Media Network. Go like the page. Go yes. like it. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Send us some emails. The emails is right on the pages as well. Hell yeah. See, always appreciated you, my dude. Always a good time talking yeah. to you, man. Keep up the good work, man. Y'all been coming Likewise. Out with crazy content. So yeah. likewise, happy, man. Happy as hell. Thanks for being part of the network, man. Yes, sir. I'm appreciate I'm thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. Thank you. Hell yeah, brother. All right, guys. Take care.